Hello, I'm Andrew Russell. Welcome to Let God Speak. People everywhere are searching for peace, yet the world has scarcely known any moments of peace. Today we are going to identify the only source of hope for our planet, the Prince of Peace. On our panel today, we have David Curry and Stephen Groom. Hello. Thank you for being here, gentlemen. Well, before we begin, let us pray together. Won't you join us? Our loving Father, we thank you again, Lord, for this privilege, Lord, of opening up your holy word so that we may understand, Father, Lord, who you are and your plan, Father, for our salvation and uh, your presence in this world. And we pray you'd bless us now with the gift of your Holy Spirit again. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> well, um, let me begin by saying that um, as far as recorded history is concerned, um, it's generally understood within that recorded history. And when you, when you do some statistics, it looks like there's only been peace in our world 8% of the time. And uh, David, any, any thoughts as to why that may be the case? Well, it's true that so many have no peace in their hearts at all, mm. and they're finding, trying to find peace. You know, Andrew, I love this text in uh, Job 22 and verse 21, and says, Now acquaint yourself with him and be at peace. Mm. Thereby good will come to you. Amen. If only people knew this today, they're without God. Yes. They're not looking to God, but only, if only they would acquaint themselves with him, they would be at peace. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love that text. David. Yes. Thank you. Well, look, as we as we begin to unpack it a little bit more now, I'm just going to invite you to open your Bibles with me. And we're going to open up to Isaiah chapter nine, verse one, as we explore this topic. And uh, let's begin by reading verse one. And then I'm going to ask Stephen to give us some insight as to what is happening here and uh, what is taking place. So verse one says, nevertheless, the dimness shall not be such as was in her vexation. Another word of vexation for someone to be vexed is to be frustrated. Okay. Um, Nevertheless, the dimness shall not be such as was in her vexation when at the first he lightly afflicted the land of Zebulon and the land of Naphtali and afterward did more grievously afflict her by the way of the sea beyond Jordan in Galilee of the nations. And so what is Isaiah saying here, the prophet Isaiah? Let me try and unpack this a little bit. Um, It talks here of dimness and vexation and negative things there. The nevertheless connects it to the previous verse. It's interesting that in the Hebrew Bible, Mm -hmm. this is part of the previous chapter. And I'd just like to read um, verse 22 of chapter 8. It says, And they shall look unto the earth and behold trouble and darkness, dimness of anguish. Once again, troubles and darkness. Dimness, dimness of anguish, yeah. and they shall be driven to darkness. And so looking unto earth is really um, looking unto earthly things, actually. And if you go back to verse 19, it talks about the people looking to um, familiar spirits, the occult, which is ultimately um, Satan's kingdom. That's right. So they're looking unto 
um, Satan instead of God. Instead of basically God. Here. And, and there's nothing to be found there but trouble and darkness and dim, uh, dimness, dimness and anguish. Um, Thank you. If we go back to chapter 9, verse 1, mm-hmm. we see that Zebulon and the land of Naphtali are mentioned. And they're in the northern part of the kingdom, the northernmost part. And uh, Tiglath-Pileser III from Assyria came and captured those two cities. And basically God was using them uh, uh, to discipline these people for being unfaithful. Mm. And then we also see that Galilee is mentioned. Galilee was also taken captive by, mm. by the same person of Assyria. And um, we, we see that uh, Galilee of the nations was mentioned because also because in, in Joshua 20, there was also a city of refuge there mm. and, and it was called um, Kadesh. And Kadesh, was, it was a place where criminals could run to and be safe. Mm-hmm. And in the same way, um, Jesus was a, is a spiritual city of refuge. We can now come to him and be safe. But the people of Israel didn't want to him. Later, when Jesus came and ministered uh, while he was on earth, he spent a lot of time ministering in Galilee. So here we have a messianic uh, reference to Jesus, if you like. It's yeah. allusion to him. It's allusion. And we'll see that more as we, we, we move on, that isn't more, it? Yes. That's right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So this is that dimness, that anguish is a result really of, of a people who've turned away from Not God. Not looking to God. Not looking to God. Looking elsewhere, as you mentioned, familiar spirits and so forth. Thank you. We'll read verse two as we go on. It says, the people that walked, and I'm sorry, I should bring us back to chapter nine, chapter nine, verse two. The people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them hath the light shined. And what is this light, David? Yes, well, Jesus was the light. And it says a little bit later on that unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. That's verse 6, isn't it? That's That's verse 6. And you know, he was that light. He did most of his work in the area of Galilee, in Zebulun and Naphtali and uh, the area of Galilee. That's where most of his ministry was performed. Yes. And so he, he was a great light to people who lived in darkness. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Verse 7 also says of the increase of his government and what? And peace, peace, isn't it? There shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. And, and so much of the New Testament uh, talks about Jesus being light of the, of the world. Light of the world. If you go to uh, John chapter 1, f- verse 4, 5 and 9, it says, In him was life and the life was the light of men and the light shined in darkness. Um, that was the true light, which lights every man who comes into the world. Yeah. And so there's a lot spoken in John yeah. eight twelve. He says, I am so, the light of the world. So, so John is referring to the promise of this Prince of Peace, referring to Jesus. We're looking at this messianic prophecy here of the, of the one to come. And it's interesting as we read here in the book of Isaiah, we can um, then also get a prophetic insight into how the people will respond even emotionally just by reading Isaiah 9. In other words, the Bible anticipates a certain response to the Messiah. And what, is, what, is, um, what does that tell us, Stephen? Here. Okay, to do that, I'd like to read um, verse 3. It says, You have multiplied the nation and not increased the joy. 
Uh, I'd just like to say that not is, is um, contested here. There's 20 manuscripts that actually don't use the not. In Hebrew, the word lo can also be translated as behold. Yeah. So uh, it seems to make more context here if it says behold and not. And not. So it says, Thou have multiplied the nation and increased the joy. They joy before you according to the joy in harvest, and as men rejoice when they divide the spoil. For you have broken the yoke of his burden, the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, as in the day of Midian. So that's the result of coming to the Lord. If only Israel and Judah had done that, then they would have seen. And the same today. They would see the joy of the Lord, wouldn't they? Yes, yes absolutely. So really coming to God, even in these days, in the days of Isaiah, uh, would, would break the yoke of the oppressor. And, right. and that oppressor ultimately yeah. is, is, is Satan. Yes, Re Realise through all these different mediums, we have to contest with spiritual battles on earth. Yeah, thank you. When we make the spiritual connection, coming to Christ breaks the yoke of Satan, right? Sets yes. us free from, from the oppressor. Yes. That's right. Thank you very much. Um, what specifically, David, can I ask you this? What specifically did the Prince of Peace come to do? Well, there's one text in Matthew 4 and verse 24. It says, Then his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought to him all six people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments, and those who were demon-possessed, epileptics and paralytics. And he healed them, and great multitudes followed him. I mean, this must have brought great joy to these people to be healed. Yes. I mean, we know what sickness can be like. And it can be quite devastating sometimes. Mm. And these people who lived in darkness not only were healed, but also saw the Prince of Peace. Absolutely. And responded with what? Joy. Joy. Absolutely. Uh, just something else. In those texts that you read in chapter Matthew 4, verse 12 to 14, all those areas mentioned in uh, Isaiah 9, you have cities of Zebulon named there, um, Nazareth, Capernaum, uh, the borders of Zebulon and Nephtali, and you also have Galilee mentioned. So we believe that Matthew was actually referring and, and applying a messianic prophecy yeah. to those That's verses right. in Isaiah. Exactly so. Yeah. Mm. Now God's people believe that Jesus is still in the business of setting people free today. Yes, absolutely. Any, any comments in regard to that? How, how do we know that for sure, David? Well, you know, in our life... We've seen so many cases, but let me give you just one or two in, from Latvia. We were running some big programs there. And after the first week, we were having four sessions a day. You're talking about Bible-based programs? Yes, yeah. Bible-based programs. And this first long weekend, I asked people if they'd like to fill out a card and uh, show that they were giving their hearts to Christ. Mm -hmm. And over a thousand people did. And then I said, turn your card over if you'd like us to have special prayer. Well, on the Monday after that weekend, I was talking to the men in our office, which was next to the hall, and there was a knock on the door. And one of the men went out, and I could hear David Curry. Uh, that's the same in most languages. Yeah, okay, yes. <laughs> and uh, the man came in and said, there's a man who would like to see you. And I said, well, bring him in. And here was a nicely dressed businessman, obviously. He said, look, I've just come from the hospital, and the doctor who's performed an operation on my daughter, has told me that she's not likely to live. If she does live, she'll be a vegetable. Mm. And he said, you pray each night. I wonder if you get your team to pray for my daughter. Yeah. I said, not only that, we'll pray for her right here. Yeah. 
This was about three o'clock in the afternoon. And I tell you, when I prayed that time, it was just like the Spirit of God came upon me. Mm-hmm. And when I opened my eyes, this man had tears cascading down his cheeks. He said, even if my daughter's not healed, that's the most beautiful thing that's happened in my life. Amen. Well, I didn't see him uh, the next day at the meeting, but he came to me the next night. He said, you know, I went back to the hospital on Tuesday and the doctor was coming out of the room of my daughter. He said, I've been waiting to see you. He said, something happened at three o'clock yesterday afternoon. Mm. Your daughter's completely healed. We've never seen anything like this in this hospital. And uh, he said, we'd like to keep her here for a day or two just to make tests. And that was a wonderful thing. And the next night he was up the front um, with our man who gave his announcements. That was the president of the conference. And... um, uh, his name was Gator. He took him up and he told him this story and the people were just absolutely engro- engrossed in that yeah. wonderful experience. About a week later, um, one of our men, you know, the Latvians were some of the hardest workers I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And one of our men, he was an evangelist. He was running meetings even while I was running meetings. He'd be up till three o'clock in the morning getting ready, go to sleep for three hours. And then he would... Um, get up and get his wife off to work and the children off to school. Then he would go and give Bible studies and so on. Yes. Well, with all this, his mind broke and they had to put him into a mental asylum. But he was not too bad. He said, I want Pastor Curry to anoint me. And um, we went out there, uh, the president and our wives and a few other people. And I said to him when he came in, we waited for a little while, he came in. I said, you want me to anoint you? He said, yes, I do. I said, I can't anoint you if you're going to live the life that you've been living. Mm. I said, even though you see it's God's work, God doesn't want you to ruin your health. Mm. He wants you to have sleep. Sleep is very important. Yes. Well, you promise me that you'll work less and have more sleep. Yeah, yeah. Yes, okay. And then we anointed him. Yes. He went back to the doctor and she looked at him. And she said, what do they do to you? And he told her, Two days later, he was out of that asylum. They Mm. thought he wouldn't be out for at least three or four months. Beautiful, beautiful. And, you know, it was just wonderful in this place to see that God is still working just as Jesus did back in Galilee. He's still working today. And I've seen that so many times. Absolutely, absolutely. And you're talking about anointing there. You know, it's something that James 5 talks about. If there's any sick among you, Let him call for the elders of the church and uh, and they can they can perform that anointing. I look, I I wasn't even going to share this, but we had a case just in my church and we had a lady who had cancer and uh, she was devastated. The family were devastated. We went there. There were tears. But uh, we decided to call on the Lord and we prayed and we um, sang songs together and we we looked to him in faith and and the family resolved themselves to God. And they weren't really living the life that they should have been really living, weren't weren't walking uprightly with uh, with him. And they repented and they called on the Lord. And uh, you know what? When she went to the doctor, nothing, nothing there. Nothing there. So God still works. And that doesn't always work that way. But God is there to give us an indication that he's still on the throne. He's still there. That's right. That's right. Thank you very much, David. Do you want to say something, Stephen? People tell me that why doesn't God work the same as when he was walking the earth? And I believe that he is even more in the promises given in the Bible. You know, you will do his disciples would do more miracles than he does. I believe that 
God is working more, but he doesn't. God is so humble. He doesn't publish the things he does in the paper like Satan yeah, does. That's right. So God is so humble. Also, God is more interested in doing permanent healings in giving each person a heart transplant. Did you mm-hmm. know that? Mm-hmm. In Jeremiah 31, 33, God promises that he wants to take our stony heart out and give us a new heart if we will just let him. Mm-hmm. And the promise is also given in Hebrews chapter 8, 8 to 10. So for the, both us in the New Testament time, now God wants to perform that heart transplant that will save us to eternal life. Yeah. Temporary physical healing, no, we're still going to die anyway. Yeah. So he wants to save us for eternity. Yeah. So he does, he does manifest his, his grace toward men who call on him in faith. And, uh, but of course, the, the greater healing yeah. is the healing of the heart, the healing of the, the sinful heart. And, um, and that healing, of course, brings us into eternal life with him yeah. and into that relationship with him again. Right. I, want, I want to turn. It's beautiful, isn't it? And this is what brings us joy. And this is why we do what we do. Um, I want to turn us, our attention now to the gospel of Luke, according to Luke. And so let's go to Luke chapter 2. And we're going to read just a few verses there. I want to read Luke chapter 2 with you. And then I want to read verse 8. And then we'll jump to verse 10 and 11. And notice what the Bible says here. Of course, this is um, concerning the arrival of the Messiah now, the arrival of Jesus Christ. And so in verse 8 it says, And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And if we jump to verse 10, it says that the, an angel, the, angel appeared to, the angel of the Lord appeared to them. It says, And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you what? Tidings of great joy. Tidings, good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. Notice, for all people. Verse 11 says, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Saviour, which is Christ the Lord. And David, what stands out for you here in, in, in this account of Luke? Well, I think where it says, He'll bring great joy, which will be to all people. Mm. And, you know, when people accept Jesus as their Savior, what tremendous joy brings to them and their families, uh, their uh, extended family, if you like. And we've seen that so many times, the great joy that he brings. And it's not only that, the angels saying that peace and goodwill has Mm. come with the coming of Jesus. That peace and goodwill is so important for people today. That's right. And uh, Stephen, how long is this peace and goodwill supposed to last? Well, if we turn to Matthew 28, um, in the last verse, the promise is given that um, in the last part of the verse, he says, Lo, I'm with you always, even until the end of the world. So with his presence comes his peace. Yes, thank you. Uh, And his peace reigns. And uh, in John 14, 27, Jesus said, My peace I leave with you. Not as the world gives you, give I unto you. Um, So God promises us his peace. Now, there's something that must be mentioned here. And that that answers it very clearly, by the way, isn't it? To the end of the world, or the end of the age. Forever. But we have to connect ourselves with him. Mm. Now, I'd like to read Matthew 10, verse 34. That does seem to be a conflict there. It says... Jesus says, do not think that I send peace on the earth. I have Mm. not come to send peace, but a sword. Mm. And people have troubled. I've I've had people ask me, why does Jesus say on one hand he gives us peace? And on the other hand, he says, I have not come to give you peace, but a sword. People are confused. But the peace that Jesus offers in John 14, 27 is an internal 
rather than an external peace. On the outside, Jesus warns us, we'll have wars and fighting, so the opposition of avowed enemies and the coldness and suspicious of um, those who claim to be friends. But Jesus offers us peace that will see us through all these persecutions and troubles on the inside. The troubles and, that, and strife of the world. And I yeah. think that's very important for us to remember. He doesn't save us from the troubles, but he saves us while we're going through them in this world. That's right. Thank you very much. And uh, yeah, this is why he's called the Prince of Peace. Isn't that right? right. He's able to give us peace regardless of the circumstances uh, that we face. It's, a, it's an inner peace coming from that that relationship that we have with our God as we walk with him, as we know him through our Savior. Um, I'm just wondering, um, David, you know, it seems that many people turn away from this offer of peace. It's, it's really a free gift through Christ, but they tend to turn away from it and rather continue and endure the troubles and strife of the world. Uh, Israel tended to do this as well. Yes, in fact, I've almost finished reading the Old Testament again, and I'm really surprised and disappointed how many times Israel went against God and they went to other gods and uh, they didn't accept the Prince of Peace who would have given them peace all the time. Yes. But they had war all the time. And as we said earlier, uh, you know, only 8% of the world's history shows that there was at least no war and, and peace. Mm. And, you know, Israel, when Jesus came, was a conquered nation. The Romans were in charge. Mm. And in fact, in Luke 2, in verse 1, it says, It came to pass in those days the decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. And uh, this, of course, brought about the time when Jesus was born. Yes. And here Israel were under the Roman yoke at that particular time. Yeah. They wanted peace. They didn't know how to get it until the Prince of Peace came. And then the unfortunate thing was... They rejected the Prince of Peace. That's right. They didn't and, recognize And I think it. part of the problem was they were looking most for the outward peace, you yes. know, subduing the, the pagan nations, hmm. and they were rejecting the inner peace that God can give them. Yes. Thank you very much, um, very much for that comment, Stephen. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's difficult, I think you said, it's, as you've been reading, David, you said it's even disappointing to see that that to see that that was the case, isn't it? And uh, so why did God allow them, Stephen? Let me ask you, we talk about the other nations coming and conquering Israel. Why did God allow them to be conquered? It was, be, it was to let them know that they were being unfaithful, basically. He withdraws his protection um, so that they might realize the consequence of their folly and make better choices. Yes. It's basically a disciplinary measure like we discipline our children. Mm. It's hopefully to guide them onto the better path to show them what happens when they leave him. Yeah, thank you very much. So he did it out of love. Out of love. Right. Yes. Uh, it's not that he rejected them in any way, but they rejected him. He was always there for them to come back to, yeah. always. And, and we see in the history yes. how patient God is. How many times did Israel That's and right. Judah come yeah. back to them? But he certainly was a deliverer wasn't he? I mean, yeah. many times that experienced his power delivering them um, from those that came to oppress them and, and take That's them right. over. And um, 
Um, David, I wonder what does this teach us then about the relationship between God and humanity or, you know, God and man, you know, how, how does this work? Well, God gives us choice or free will, if we like. Yes. And this, of course, has happened all through history. Yeah. But there's always the God there wanting to have people come back to himself mm -hmm. and to recognize him as their savior and redeemer. Yeah, <clears throat> because that's what love does, isn't it? It allows for free choice. Uh, absolutely. Yes. Uh, God doesn't in expect anyone to come and worship him um, because that's what they have to do. That's right. That's what they're told to do um, or else. And uh, I just love that about God. That's right. God of the Bible. But, well, but the free choice is dangerous, isn't it? Because it, he, it, a powerful God has to watch people reject him. Yes, that's right. Absolutely. And it, must, it grieves his heart. We don't think about that, but it grieves his heart yeah, when people turn away from him. That's right. And in the process, forfeit that peace, yeah. forfeit his care. Um, he so desires to do that. And uh, we talk about children. Families do experience that. Um, as children grow up, you know, sometimes they tend to turn away from the parents, isn't it? And go into the world and pursue a certain course and it grieves the heart of the parent. And um, the parent, like them. God, and in this we can see the mind of God. The parent is always hoping that the child will come back. Will return. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. I want us to turn uh, our attention now to Isaiah chapter 11. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1. And uh, here again is another messianic prophecy. Verse 1 says, And there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. And Stephen, what is Isaiah saying here? Yeah, this is a wonderful prophecy, isn't it? But it's, it's cloaked somewhat. Yes. So here we, it talks about the stem of Jesse. That word stem could really be called a stump of Jesse. Mm. And here we have allusion of a, a tree that's been banded and cut off much like Daniel chapter 4. Mm. For its rebellion, uh, Nebuchadnezzar you know, lost his kingdom for a time. Yes. And uh, the same thing happened to um, Judah here, as, uh, sorry, Israel, as they, through the judgments of God, realized through Assyria, they were taken captive and they lost their power. But he talks here of a hope here in the form of a branch shall grow out, his, out of his roots. So through... Um, the lineage of David, a redeemer would come and, and save his people, all uh, those who accept him. Jesse's David's father, isn't it? He was, yes. That's right. Thanks for that. And so we have, yeah, we have this messianic prophecy and um, that he would come out of the lineage of Jesse or David. Yes. Um, and um, I just want to ask you, um, David, is Jesus' descent then from David, does that have any relevance for us today? Well, it certainly does. And particularly as we study the book of Revelation, we see at least a couple of times that it talks about him as being the root of David and um, coming from the line, uh, being a line of the tribe of Judah. These were very clear predictions. We could spend a lot of time on this, but the fact was that these were fulfillment. And today it's very relevant to us. He's still with us. Yes, absolutely. Thank you very much. So very clear. It gives us a great basis for faith. You know, um, I want to just finish here by saying that Isaiah 12 verse 2 talks about God as our salvation. And I believe that from what we've, we've studied today, the Bible very clearly points us to the divine Son of God as our peace and our surety and our joy in this yes, world. Absolutely. I want to thank you for sharing today, gentlemen. If we have Jesus as our Savior and friend, we have everything. We have forgiveness of sins, peace of heart and mind, and hope of the glory to come. I invite you to receive Jesus and his peace right now.
we don't need to wait a moment longer. We hope you were blessed by our study today. You can watch this program again or any past program by going to our website, 3abnaustralia.org.au. Teachers uh, can download notes there as well. Email us on lgs3abnaustralia.org.au. Do join us again next time. God bless. You have been listening to Let God Speak, a production of 3ABN Australia Television. To catch up on past programs, please visit 3abnaustralia.org.au. Call us in Australia on 02 4973 3456 or email radio at 3abnaustralia.org.au. We'd love to hear from you.